0: Hey everybody, what's going on? It's uh, Mark and Dave from Tone Talk. It's episode 139, and we've got uh Andrew. Ooh, almost Sinowik. 140. Yeah, almost 140. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, we've got Andrew Senewick uh, with us, who is oh we did have Andrew with us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. End of, show. And, <laughs> end of show. And it's a wrap. <laughs> Goodbye. Um oh there he is oh off to a good start yeah Yeah. (laughs) it kicked me out right as soon as it started oh that's weird (laughs) uh so andrew is one of um ellie's top leading session guys right now uh he's played on tons of stuff um we'll go into that and um obviously he's got an incredible collection of gear as you can see behind him um so and he's been he's played music with Alanis Morissette, The Who, uh, Barbara Streisand. He's written music for uh, what F- Frozen um, played on played, on, played not, on not not wrote yeah just okay make- well you played on all right well it's even yeah. still uh you know, I mean but when you when you get the, let's dive right into it when you yeah when you get a, a session like that are you like as I've heard people are given the chart but then they're given some free reign to write their own little part is that how it is or are you like yeah getting... i mean it's
1: it's everything from like here's a drum beat what do you think and you're kind of writing it to here's exactly what i want you to play you know note for
0: note Ah, uh, okay
1: yeah and everything in between usually you know somewhere in between
0: cool cool so how long have you been in l.a
1: Gosh, almost twenty years. Next year is going to be twenty years.
0: All yeah. right. So you've been there a Flew while.
1: Flew by. Yeah.
0: And where were you before?
1: So I was born and raised in Annapolis, Maryland. So it's like just outside of DC, halfway between DC and Baltimore. And um and then I actually studied in Miami. I was down in Miami for six years.
0: Oh, okay. What what uh mm-hmm. school?
1: Uh University of Miami.
0: Oh, okay. Cool.
1: Yeah. Like Andy like, Timmons went there. A bunch of like, you know, I grew up in like kind of the shred era. So like Andy Timmons and Steve Morse had gone yeah. there. So it's kind of like, okay, that's that's the place for me.
0: Wow. What years were this?
1: Uh, well, they were there, I don't know, Steve was there in the 70s. I guess Andy was there probably in the 80s. Okay. And then I was there late 90s.
0: Late 90s. Got yeah. yeah. Interesting. I didn't even realize that, but uh, I'm right here in Fort Lauderdale, so.
1: Oh, no way.
0: Yeah. So my wife lived in Miami all the year. so she used to hang out by University of Miami. And so that's why yeah. I ask. That's cool. Very, very cool. Um, so how do you like living in L.A.?
2: Well,
1: I've lived here longer than anywhere else, so I guess I like it all right.
0: You're enjoying yeah.
1: it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, it's it's very easy to to hate on L.A. It's like a pastime of people that don't live here, it seems like. But, I mean, anything you're into, there's probably people doing it, like, at the pinnacle of whatever it is, at, at the pinnacle of of that thing here in L.A., you know? Yeah. Whether it's music or anything else, tech, food, dog training, <laughs> it's all here.
0: <laughs> Has it been <laughs> tempting to, to leave and go to Nashville like people have seen? Why would be... I do that? Pretty yeah. sure they
1: have good guitar players
0: already in Nashville. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I I agree. I agree, but it seems like people are leaving in droves going to Nashville and just moving there. So. Yeah, but at that point then Nashville will be LA. Yeah. So yeah I mean it's kind of kind of exactly, already is. right. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's like Nash Vegas basically, so, yeah. you yeah. know, as, as they refer to it and the traffic is equally as bad <clears throat> from yeah. what I understand and with less infrastructure to support it. Oh, yeah.
0: No, I'm
1: happy that. here. Yeah, it's yeah. great.
0: That's cool. So where in L.A. do you live?
1: Uh, I'm in Studio City.
0: Right in the heart of the valley.
1: Yeah, I'm a valley boy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so how far away is that from you, Dave? Oh, that's really close. I'm just North Hollywood, so. Yeah. Okay. So we're on top of Studio City.
0: All right, got you. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, just down I the road. I still haven't mapped out, like, kind of how california or la works you know like geography wise um i don't know if you ever do (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's that confusing um so awesome so how'd you get into uh, i i assume you were you know doing bands and stuff like that and then yeah yeah. how'd you get into playing some sessions and things
1: uh i kind of did everything else and didn't like it or you know the universe told me that wasn't a good place for me to be like uh i did a little bit of touring in miami i played with this um this guy that was in the new kids on the block and uh (laughs) like i was still in school at the time but he was doing this you know they had their thing like i don't know in the 90s or whatever they were one of the first like you know boy band sensations Mm -hmm. and then nobody had heard anything from him for a while and then he had this uh solo record and so he put a band together and this whole tour and everything and it was kind of like living in spinal tap so like we started on a tour bus and i was like wow this is kind of a mate like this seems like did, is he overspending here because like like you know the first gig was in like saint augustine at like a coffee shop or something and like it, it was really it was pretty hilarious there's lots of uh. You know, I'm glad uh, social media wasn't around back then. But uh, (laughs) it just, you know, there was a lot of situations where, like, stuff would get canceled or just a lot of, like, terrible, shady business practices and stuff like that. And I I sort of was made to feel like, and I know this isn't true on all um, touring gigs, but it it was sort of like, we just need a warm body to hold a guitar, you know. Mm. And so I kind of decided, like, okay, I, I need to, like... This, that's not what I do really. You know, like you have to look at the music business as like a as a business, and you go like, well, "What am I offering?" You know, yeah. I'm not. You know, I, I have I can do that, but I'd rather do some other things. So, so when I mo- consequently, consequently, uh, when I moved to LA, I I mean, I did some of that touring stuff, but I didn't really pursue it. I kind of had blinders on for like studio work.
3: It's a hard scene to break into.
1: Yeah, you're right. It sure was. And I mean, everybody told me I was crazy. There was a guy <laughs> actually he's he's my neighbor. I see him at coffee all the time, and I still haven't told him the story. Great guitar player named Chris uh Standring. And um I the first year that I moved here, fresh off the boat, with stars in my eyes, moving to LA to be a studio guitar player. I had I was doing all this, you know listening to all the records that you're supposed to check out and reading whatever I could read. And he had written a book. This guy, Chris wrote a book called like how to be a studio guitar player,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And of course I had studied it and there's like interviews in the back and, and little musical examples. And I ran into him on a gig and I was like, you know, starstruck because, oh my God, this is big author, you know, that wrote this book about studio guitar playing. So of course I, you know, built up the courage to go over and tell him how much I liked his book being fresh off the boat, having moved to LA to be a studio guitar player. And he goes, well, yeah, i mean, nobody's going to do that anymore though. That book is irrelevant. I mean, you just can't do it anymore. I was just totally crushed, you know?
0: <laughs> like, okay. Thanks.
1: Yeah. The first of many, many times that things like that happened.
3: Well, and, and to some extent, I mean, I understand where he was coming from.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Because totally. you
3: know, the heyday of, of sessions and the heyday of, of of lots of records being done and lots of things being done was back yeah. in the nineties or in yeah. the in the in the late eighties yeah. you know eighties into nineties, yeah. you know. Depends
1: on who you ask. Whoever you ask, it was like twenty years before they got there. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had some like older guys tell me, you know, they moved here in the seventies and guys would tell them Ah, uh, he already missed it. You should have been here in the 50s. Like,
2: <laughs>
1: ridiculous, you know.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. So um, how'd you break in? How'd you end up uh, getting in sessions?
1: Uh, I don't think I had like, I mean, I'll let you know when I break in, I guess. But I I didn't have like a, the, like everybody thinks like, oh, there's I'm going to finish a gig and I'm going to walk off stage and there's going to be a guy in a suit smoking his fat cigar and he's going to open every door for me. Like, I never had one pivotal moment. It was like, uh, all these different doors that you knock on. And then eventually they kind of lead to the same place. Like, you know, people who hire you, it's, they have a lot on the line, you know? So for them to try somebody new, it's a huge risk. They have to really, they have to hear it from like three of their friends that they trust. No, no, really call this new person before they'll take a chance. And so I had I was lucky where I had um, a couple of things where that happened. I was. uh, Oh, so a buddy of mine was helping, you know, a lot of um, a lot of people that want to be composers when they move here, they get jobs as assistants because a lot, you know, some of these composers are doing five movies at a time or five TV shows or whatever. So so they have assistants that help out. So I had a friend that was an assistant on. uh, it was like Flash Gordon, maybe. I, I don't think it ran very long, but and he's like, "Man, I'm really trying to help you out and get you on this thing." But he's got somebody else that he says he's supposed to call. That's that he everybody says he should call. And so he's like, "But I'm going to see if I can put your name in." So, l- luckily for me, it turned out it was I was the same person. Like, you know, my friend was trying to recommend me, but this mystery person that the composer's friends were recommending was also me. So Mm -hmm. then that was like, okay, pushed over the cliff. I guess I'll try him. Mm -hmm. And then they recommend you to their friends and it kind of spreads that way.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So how'd you end up working with the who I got to know that. Yeah.
1: So that was, uh, that was amazing, man. I was like driving on the freeway and I get this call. There's like five contractors that, It's like building a house. You would hire a contractor to get whoever you need. There's music contractors who put together, whether it's an orchestra or a solo guitar player, It's like, you know, headhunters. They know who to call. So I'm driving. I get a call from one of the big contracting offices. And, uh, you know, know, yeah, hey, how's it going? Yeah, we're wondering uh, if um, if you could recommend someone that does claw hammer nylon string guitar. Have you guys ever heard
0: of this term? No, no.
1: N- neither had I. <laughs> but I but I was thinking, well, I know what Clawhammer banjo is, and I could play nylon an string. And I said, well, I mean, gosh, would it be weird? I'm like, what's the gig? Could I, maybe I could do it. Is that Or, And uh, they said, uh, oh, sure, if you'd like it. It's for, uh, let me look. Uh, it's for something called The Who. And I was like, and, like driving off the road almost, because like, wait, what? What do?" you? What are you talking about? I thought maybe at the time, you know, they always come out and play the Hollywood Bowl. And I thought maybe they needed like an auxiliary person. So at at first I thought it was a live thing. And I said, yeah, I guess uh, they need someone to come into the studio and help on this record. And I'm like, great. I would love to do it. Um, (laughs) And this is rare for this to happen. And it's even more rare for me to do it. But they actually, they said, would you mind just demonstrating um sending a very quick iphone video that we could forward yeah. to the producer um and i was like well for this gig sure no problem so i immediately went home and i was like what the hell does this mean glow <laughs> you know, hammer call, call nylon string so i just did i just kind of came up with this little finger picking thing and i thought i you know at the time that khaki king style of like hitting the guitar and harmonics and all that stuff was real popular so i yeah. threw some of that into like just I was know, it's like 20 seconds just to see, like, is this even close? Like, it's either going to be, oh, yeah, that's more than we need, or that's so far off the map that they're not going to call me. And either way, like, you know, whatever. So I, I sent it off, and then they, I got a call back, like, great, can you come in, you know, tomorrow or whatever? They're going to send you the track. Of course, I canceled whatever I was doing there. you know, made it myself available. So they sent me the track, but, you know, it's a Who record. Um, and I still didn't understand, like, why are they calling me, you know? But they sent me this track, and when I hit play on the mp3, I realized, oh, it's just the isolated, like, temp guitar part. So a temp is, like, something that's just temporary. It's a placeholder to be replaced later. And um, there's nothing, out. there's no, like, drums, percussion, bass, vocals, or anything, Um but, I, okay, I learned it, it and it was kind of, it was just like dust in the wind, you know, that's Kansas song, dust in mm-hmm. the wind, where it's got the finger-picking guitar part. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure I was prepared and stuff, so I made a little chart, and uh, I was like, okay, I see this this thing, this phrase happens like, you know, four times in a row, and then a new thing happens, so I bet that's like an intro and a verse. And then say it's been eight bars. So I bet this is going to be a pre-course. Oh yeah, there's a change. Okay. That's four bars. I bet this is going to be, yeah. Okay. Here's the course. So I sort of figured like, you know, I have no vocal reference or anything, but I, you know, you got to go in there and nail it. So I made this chart and was still uh, hoping for the best. And, um, next day I go to the studio, which was just like one of those houses where it's a house, but it's really like a full-time studio. And, um, you know, this guy opens the door, this assistant, and they help me down into this insane studio with just, like, all this vintage gear, and uh, I don't know, like, are they going to be here? Is Pete going to be here? Like, what's going to happen? And uh, this, the producer walks out, he's like, hey, I'm Dave, yeah, gosh, we've been working on this record forever, and so, basically, what had happened is Pete, um, kind of to help out his brother, Simon Townsend, would let him do a song on the record. It was like, hey, why don't you write a song for us, and we'll record it. And you know, Roger will sing it, and and we'll put it on our new record. I mean, it was a big deal because they hadn't done a record in a long, long time. I, honestly, it's probably going to be the last new thing we hear from them. So, um, but Simon had played; he was the guy. Simon, Pete's brother, had played this temp guitar part, and uh, but it wasn't you know he had done it like kind of on his iPhone or something, just loose off the cuff. And obviously, like Pete is amazing. The first record I ever bought was uh the who the you know the uh like it's like best of or something that was mm-hmm. the first thing i ever bought with my own money i love his guitar playing but mm-hmm. he's not dust in the wind you know right so they needed somebody the producer says this song has been on the chopping block for a year but they really and the record is like past due and they really wanted to go on the album this is the last thing i have to do we were recording orchestra here in LA yesterday, so I finally thought, why don't I just ask the contractor if he knows somebody who can do this? So it's like, okay, no pressure here. He's like, all right, you, you good? You got you know set up all right? Uh, yeah. You see? and they had one of those boxes where you click, you know, everything's labeled. you Click you track whatever, and uh, so they're like, let's uh, we'll play and just get a level. So I start playing, and I got my little cheat sheet out, and I'm playing along it's you know, like, we'll give you four clicks. So I start playing. And I'm getting to the part where it's like, okay, I've played four bars. I think this is a verse. And sure enough, when we get to the verse, on comes Roger's vocal. And it was like, I, I had to, like, still myself to, like, kind of not lose it. Like, holy shit, I'm playing guitar on a, <laughs> on a Who record, and I'm hearing Roger's voice, like, on this song that no one's ever heard. Amazing. Um, and I, yeah, I just nice. kept going, and like and it turned out like, oh yeah, I'll, like here comes the bridge. Like it was totally, it was right. And then they were in such a hurry. He's like, "Cool, you want to double it?" So like, I pretty much doubled it. He went out and took a phone call, came back in. I, I might have done like a let's do a capo up on the chorus kind of thing to add to it. And like literally 25 minutes later, he walks in. He's like, "All right, man, just play it on a Who record." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic! Uh,
1: yeah, I couldn't believe it, man. It was it was unbelievable. So, uh
0: so what song was I call, it? Uh,
1: it's called "Break the News," and it's on um, you know the last record they did. I'm trying to think; it was a few years ago now, but
2: uh, yeah.
1: you know, it's a deep cut. It's an album cut, but uh,
3: it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's uh, great. I couldn't believe it and I, I i didn't even say anything to i called my brother but i didn't tell anyone like in the biz or whatever because i just thought what if this doesn't even make it on the record or what if they don't credit me and then i just waited and i was googling from time to time new who record knew who, and finally i see like oh cool they there's a release date for. i think it was in november and i just waited and then that morning i woke up real early and there was an article in variety About the new record, I'm like reading, 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 and down at the bottom, they have the credits, and it's like, you know, Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, Pino Palladino, Andrew Sinewick. I was like, I couldn't believe it, man. Like, I'm a softie, so I, I, I like started crying, it was unbelievable.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's a great story. Yeah, it is a great story. I, I would cry too, to be honest with you. I mean, that's, I mean, like you said, your first album that you bought was yeah. the who greatest hits, you know, so that
3: was my first concert.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah,
3: yeah. 1981.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
3: The Pontiac silver dome in Detroit.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah. I could, clash I would, and Eddie money opening up. I wish I had yeah. seen them uh, <laughs> back then. When did I see them? I saw them later. When I actually saw them with, with uh with Simon playing on guitar for them. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's still a great show, but I wish I had seen them like in their heyday,
1: you know. Yeah, don't we all?
0: Yeah. Um we got a question actually from Dollar Store Rockstar. What's going on, man? Uh he says, Andrew, you've done a lot of work on some big movies, Oceans Twelve, Get Hard, Little Fockers. How did you get involved in that? And what kind of guidance did you get and what did you end up composing?
2: Mm.
1: So in terms of how I got involved, just kind of that same way I was talking about before where it's, it's really all word of mouth. Mm. Um, and a lot of it is just waiting for space for somebody to open, you know, for somebody else to be too busy and then to go down the Rolodex. And a, a lot of times it's like, you know a holiday weekend when everybody else says no but you're the new hungry musician that just moved to town and you know you'll cancel your plans and and be there or do something you know ridiculous like that.
3: sure right place right time mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure and LA is all basically word of mouth it's just yeah there's that
0: you don't can't so what would you have done like say on a movie like Ocean's 12 or uh, Spider-Man or any of those kinds yeah. of things.
1: So like Spider-Man, that's great. Um, That's Michael Giacchino, who's just an incredible human being and, and just amazing composer. He writes these amazing themes. Um, so that was a full orchestra. It's great. He does everything live. Um, So there's like 60 violins and full percussion section and brass and harp. And then he always uses two guitars now so um it's me and this guy george deering who's like
3: been around forever
1: he's incredible i wish he would do this podcast he's so humble and he's just like i think he's just always working and you know i would love for him to be interviewed but he's kind of he just hides under the radar man and he's unbelievable um so yeah i've been lucky enough to sit and watch him do his thing and a lot of that is like in the spider-man movie it's just kind of like they give you a chart, but it's really like that kind of leans a lot of the times more to the like, add some color into the spectrum. Mm. And, and like he'll, uh, he might improvise. He, he's great at just kind of coming up with these sounds. And they'll go, like, George, that sound is great for this, you know, like when Spider Man jumps off the building, but, uh, can you do it instead of measure 146? Can you do it later at, you know, measure 200 or whatever? Mm. So,
0: and know. it's, is it always guitar work?
1: No, a lot of times for, for movie stuff, it's guitar and everything else, like anything with strings. So, so, um, I like, I think on that movie, there was some electric sitar. Um, I know like on, was it inside out was another Michael Giacchino movie. I played a lot of uke hmm. and I'm trying to think. Like on Coco, a lot of nylon string and vihuela and just all kinds of like Latin instruments or world instruments.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, and there's actually three guitars on that. Uh, and also in Canto, we had three guitars. Um, and that was Jermaine Franco. She's an incredible composer. And that, I mean, that's amazing because it's just like they just, you know, they have, it's a, a project of that scope. They have, the time and the resources to have three people in a room playing together, and it's a different sound than one person playing three times.
0: So, yeah.
1: it's, it's incredible to be able to do that.
0: Hey, going back to uh, the Who, yeah, is there any chance that you'd be able to play with them live if they go on tour about to play the that album, or I, did that I, I already pass? I I may have missed it.
1: I, I I doubt it. I mean, that was years ago. So, oh, was it? Okay, yeah, yeah
0: when did that album come out
1: um i'm trying to think maybe 2018 or 2019 it's i think it's just, it's called
0: who so the who okay that's who. what it is i'm looking at yeah, yeah i wasn't sure december of 2019. Yeah. okay
1: there you go yeah yeah and
0: the name what of the name song you know? was again i'm sorry break the news break the news yeah oh there it mm-hmm. is number nine it's number nine yeah, I, got, I gotta go and listen to that yeah me cool. too very cool that's so they so they went on tour that did, did you did they happen to play it on tour did you happen to know
1: uh i don't know honestly i doubt it because it you know i don't know maybe they did I, I don't think it was the single or anything like that and you, you've got to figure with a band like that like they had there's so many must plays right that yeah Do you know
0: unless they were trying to make simon happy you know so
1: well yeah you never know
0: yeah that's cool um so let's talk about. So you were talking about you know playing a bunch of different stringed instruments, and obviously yeah. you have you have quite a collection there. Um, I think I see a, a banjo um, and sitar. Lot yeah, yeah, lots of cool, lots of cool guitars and stuff like that. So tell yeah. us, uh, are you planning on opening up, opening up a store or? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's a dog and pony show. You know, it's a uh, um, no. You know, it's not something I. Honestly when I moved here I was more like I really wanted to be you know the next Dan Huff or the next Michael Thompson or the next Tim Pierce or something but um like I said before you just sort of like knock on every door and see which one opens for you and for my own skill set and also like we discussed what has happened with the industry I end up doing a lot of film work and in that world it's a lot of well like I mentioned if um if the movie takes place in Latin America, you're probably going to be playing a lot of nylon string and other instruments of that, Il, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. requinto, Fijuela, um, Cavaquino, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that, it's just... It,
3: that also makes you kind of indispensable because you can play those instruments, so it also right. makes you very hireable because of that. Yeah. Well, um, and it's, you know, it's not anyway.
1: something that it's like...
3: <laughs> I mean it's not pretty scary.
1: Not everybody does it. And I understand not not everybody wants to. I mean like when I first was moving moved here and was trying to get to know people and I would always like most of the people I met were like, I wanna be a touring guy and play with, you know, whoever, or I wanna be an artist. And I would always be more like, Hey, you wanna get together and like read some flute books on ukulele or something? You know, it's like People are like, what's wrong with you, dude? But, <laughs> but I knew that, like, I'm going to have to do that one day. And I want to be, you know, try and be prepared. Like, mm-hmm. because when I first moved here, I had nothing going on. So I just, you know, I practice a lot. And and if somebody asked, you know, like for, I don't know, ukulele or something, I mean, it's tuned, it's, it plays like a guitar, but it's transposed. So I would practice doing that, um, for example. And I just, It's kind of like, I mean, for me anyway, you're sort of trying to guess. It's like watching the stock market, maybe like you're trying to stay ahead of what might be asked of you and just barely hanging on for dear life to, uh, you know, do it correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny, you know, I've been on a lot of situations where like, you know, I, I did a, I think it was a Japanese movie and they... They had hired a shamisen player who, that's all they did. They were from Japan. They knew it inside and out. They knew the the tradition and they used that crazy huge pick and they sat on the floor correctly. And maybe they even read a little bit of music. But that's, and that's all well and good, but a lot of film work is like, play this melody But, like, well, play it softer. Well, actually, change this note. Well, can you just improvise a little bit? Uh, Oh, shoot, that's in the wrong octave. I'm sorry. Can you transpose that? You know, oh, this, we wrote this for your instrument, but it's not even playable. But could you just tune down and figure it out? It's like all of that is honestly most of it. Hmm. So, a lot of times they would, they, you know, they try and hire traditional instruments, but that other part that i talked about is
2: they can't do that
1: right it's hard because it's just there's only so many hours in the day you know so but all of that other stuff applies it's kind of universal whether you're playing you know some like crazy odd time metal riff or shamisen in a way
0: yeah 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 i got you um we have a question from Ray Baseman for you, Dave. Did you do front of house at Silverdome?
3: No, do, I do. No, I did was, you ever?
0: Did you ever I do? Was I was like 13 years old or something, or 12 years <laughs> old <laughs> <laughs> when I saw The Who. Did you ever do front uh, of house work? Never? No, Mm-mm. no, no. That was never of, of interest to you. Uh, mm, not totally. No. Gotcha. Uh, here's another question for you from more guitars thanks for the super chat dave my impero stomp 2 arrives tomorrow based on your mentioned last show any particular effects you really like or you're putting in front of the loop you like it better than say the helix um it's
3: so much easier to use than the helix um i th- i think and i think the effects that they modeled and stuff are really cool because they have like 2290s in it,
2: and
3: and uh, you know, even the pedals they modeled, um, you know, like Arian Stereo Chorus, Klon, uh, you know, all these different uh, boutique niche things that they they you know modeled and stuff, which I think are, is really cool. Um, you can use it in the loop or in front or and in front and in the loop. Depending on how you set it up, be careful when you use the external loop because there is a mix function on the external loop. So if you do a four cable method kind of thing, make sure that that mix is not half and half; otherwise, it's going to sound weird. Um, uh, It's good for both. It's good for all sorts of things, you know. just Just depends. But the thing that's amazing about it is you can just look at the screen and be able to get around on it without ever looking at a manual.
0: Oh, well, that's good.
3: So, I mean the 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 actual the way it's laid out is so great.
0: You don't have to go watch like a twenty minute video how to use it.
3: No, not at all. And then still be confused? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When your eyes start to gloss over as you're trying to read how to do something and the manual and the thing, and you're just like, ah,
0: <laughs> I may have to pick one up. Although I, the yeah. Helix Effects is pretty easy, though. It's not bad. Yeah.
1: The line six stuff is really easy to get around on
2: found.
3: Yeah. Once you learn their, the architecture right. of the, the thing, but I, on this thing we're talking about, it's a, it's a touch screen. So oh, wow. there's no, you can literally just click right on the screen of it and just get around totally on it. And really and fast. It's a pedal? And, yes. It's a, it's kind of a technically a multi-effect effects slash modeler slash. Right. Whatever you want to use it for. Really. It's, it's quite, quite good um i'm more interested in it for the just the effects part of it than the modeling mm-hmm. um but it has you know irs built in they ship it with Celestian irs and all sorts of things so it's it's
0: cool it's called the ampero ampero stomp 2 yeah write that down a-m-p-e-r-o that's even
3: more you can even and if you hook it up to the actual editor it's even even It's simple as it is, but with the editor, at least you're reading, oh, oh, they modeled the, got it, the Boss CE2 chorus, got it, or, or oh, yeah, it's the Arian chorus, I I see. (laughs) Right. Or whatever.
0: Gotcha. So let's also, let's talk, um, Andrew, about Alanis Morissette. Yeah. I saw you just recently playing live with her, actually. I
1: did. Yeah, that was crazy. I was sitting at home, and I got a text, hey, man we don't know each other, but like we have a lot of mutual friends and my name's Jason. And, uh, you know, I play Jason with an Orum. Yeah. I know Jason with... a long time. Yeah. Uh, so do you, would you be available to sub for me? And again, I was like, what, you know, like, I mean, I grew up, that's my era, man. So, uh, I, you know, so I look at the dates and I instantly go, Oh, shit. cause I could see I'm going to be in Japan doing my own thing for one of the dates. So I was like, well, man, I would love to, but I, I could only make this one, not that one. Because all right, don't worry about it. Uh, and I wrote back, well, if you want, I, I mean, I, I could do the, the one, you know. I'd be happy to do it, just throwing it out there. Happy to do all that work just for the one gig. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back, well, you're crazy, but uh, it turns out that would actually help us out because uh, there's this other guy, Dave Levita, that's been kind of he he used to I think maybe Jason took over too. for him. Yeah. So so he had done the gig for like forever and now he's with Tim McGraw and just you know schedule wise he had to kind of choose for a while he was doing both gigs. So he goes, so, you know Dave can actually do the one you can't do. So uh yeah if you're up for it that would really be a big help. Uh so that's so I I uh basically instantly made a spotify playlist of about 200 atlanta songs and uh oh
2: boy 200
1: <laughs> yeah i just started listening and then um i mean i had luckily i had about maybe two months notice and uh I, you know he helped me he, he whittled it down for me to like pretty sure this is going to be the set and mm-hmm. they sent me uh, a video of a recent show and so i could just check it out and sort of figure okay he's doing this he's doing it because there's two guitar players Um, I was hoping they would have like an isolated, like pro tools kind of board recording where I could really hone in on exactly what he was doing, but they didn't have that. And actually the thing that they sent me, he was like, you know, you could hear the other guitar really well, which, uh, so I just kind of had to get a little forensic and just, um, you know, it was a lot of hours of just checking out, um, the video, checking out the recordings kind of filling in the blanks with with, uh, educated guests. And then we did get together a few times and he showed me what he was doing. Mm. Um, Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I had to memorize like 30 songs and he's using a RGM, RGM, RJM, you know, loop switcher thing, the one that's all on the board. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it's a huge pedal board. But um, like, so one song, as we know, like one song, has got like five, it's got like verse, pre-chorus, chorus, chorus, Mm -hmm. solo, whatever. But then the next song might only have two sounds. Uh, so I actually made, like, I, I'm kind of a nerd this way because if I get it out of my head and onto paper, like, I will worry about it and think about it less. I made, like, a spreadsheet of, like, okay, all I really want, you know, it has these sounds. Okay, one hand in my pocket has these sounds. That that kind of thing.
2: Mm.
1: Or that's the same song, but you, you get the idea.
0: Yep, yep well it seemed to go well it was
1: it was amazing yeah it went really well um so i don't know if i'll you know it's just a scheduling thing um i would love to do it again but we'll see it was it was really fun um and you know i like i said i had to memorize 30 songs um and we flew to toronto and uh and played this gig and i met her about half an hour before we went on
0: stage Wow. <laughs> Isn't she Canadian? She is, eh? Yeah. <laughs> there you go.
1: She was super nice and she just uh she likes to hang like for, for like forever backstage and just um uh, and just talk like philosophy and stuff after the show. Yeah. Um it was funny. They actually had to come in and get her and say, like, hey Alanis, you, you got people waiting here to see you, you know, like hmm. stop, stop hanging out with the band and, so it was really fun really nice nice people in the band to the whole organization it was just like the most mellow uh, group of people it's really nice
0: right that's great yeah so um tell us about your baked potato gigs because that's got to be fucking a blast
1: yeah, it is it's amazing i mean obviously i that place has been on my radar since uh since forever because it's kind of like a mecca for nerdy guitar music. Um, and yeah, I just, I always seen, you know, I would go see Landau there or a million shows, different shows. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's like any, anything else, like, you know, it's hard to get a gig and it's hard to get club owners to like take you seriously. So, um, I finally was able to book a gig during the summer and, um, I was, I had sort of gotten to know Tim Pierce pretty well by that point and kind of floated the idea, like, man, would you ever be into like playing a two guitar gig? Like, how fun would that be? You know, like, like, what if we just played really fun songs? Like no homework, no stress, you know? And uh, so I kind of had that idea kicking around in my head. And finally, I get this date from the club owner. Hmm. And so I go to Tim. And I say, hey, you know, what do you think? Would you want to just come up and play like one song at the end of the set, one song? And uh, he's like, I-, I think I could do that. So I go back to the club owner. I say, hey, uh, I'm gonna have Tim Pierce as a special guest. <laughs> and I sort of thought he might do this. He put on the advertisement. Kind of immediately started blowing up social media and, and emailing <laughs> and stuff coming soon special guest tim pierce with andrew sinnewick band <laughs> <laughs> which was great for me because i was like great there'll be people there this way you know <laughs> but then tim saw it and he was like oh man like i gotta do more than like one song now so <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's kind of like uh a nerd like me so we really like put our heads together and came up with some really fun um songs and he ended up playing the whole night we did like some allman brothers stuff we did some of his uh, songs from his solo record and i was working on a record at that time so we did a lot of that stuff and he played on everything uh, awesome. and the, i think we sold out both shows so because you know the thing is like it's one thing to pester the club owner to get a gig but if nobody shows up you're never going to play there again
0: yeah yeah
1: so so yeah, it was uh, my uh, devious plan worked out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, Tim's a super nice guy. He
1: clearly. is. Has he been on this show?
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I've known Tim for years. We got to have yeah. him back on. I think he's yeah. been. On, has he been on twice or once, Dave?
3: Uh I Remember, I thought twice, but i uh, hundred forty, sh- almost hundred forty shows. It's it gets a little
0: foggy after. a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can't remember, but it's definitely once.
3: It's like do we have him
0: on oh wait no we didn't oh wait yeah we did <laughs> yeah yeah but he's a great guy um i was going to ask you if like how many of the other guys in the industry that you know like have you have you like met like lucather uh you know i like... met
1: luke a couple of times just in passing he's always been super cool but um i haven't really hung out with him too much tim and i are like kind of wired pretty similarly so we hang out and just instantly get like we, we don't talk about really guitar much at all it's always like other
0: other things. stuff light yeah. life yeah. stuff yeah it's
1: pretty great and i know george really well too they're, they're, they're kind of like my two mentors in a way two? george deering Who? george deering george Deering oh. the uh the guy we were talking about earlier that's like oh. he's the busiest guy in the world i mean he really is it's, it's insane uh look him up on like um IMDB, it's there's probably like hundred pages of movies.
0: Huh. Wow. Yeah,
3: he's been the session guy for like movie stuff like that for forever.
0: Wow! Yeah. okay. That and the nicest wild guy
1: wild. in the world, like he's just one of those. Like when when he walks into the room, everybody goes, "Oh, good, George is here. It's gonna be a good day." He right. has that thing about him,
0: right? George. Right. Yeah. So have you, uh, you know, Michael Nielsen?
1: Yeah, actually, so. The guy that built his studio built my studio, the, the room I'm sitting in. Hmm. Uh, and so we met because I was at the time, this contractor uh, had me. He's like, well, I'm working on this this other thing if you want to go over and take a look. So I went and saw it kind of being built. And then um, cut to many, many years later, um, Michael actually hired me to play on a song for um, Barry Manilow, of all things. So... Mm. uh i don't think it ever got released but um yeah it was just you know one of those things like man i've been working on this thing and it just needs to get done and i'm really busy and i feel like if i just get another set of ears on it it's it'll get it across the finish line Mm. so i did and it was great i love his channel he's because he's sort of into the same stuff that i'm into so
0: it's uh yeah i love watching those videos he's great (laughs) yeah he's got a great personality he's very funny and uh He's not afraid, afraid to throw himself out there as quirky, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I get too, like, self-conscious to, like, be that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm too straight-laced, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, too uptight. Um, but, yeah, Tim Pierce is freaking awesome. Um, you know, he's, is he still working as a session guy, too? Or does he still? I know he's done, like, different shows, like, you know, like, live. I think
1: he's he's really selective now because he started sending me a lot of people. Um, Mm. I think he really just I mean, he's got kind of got his whole thing so dialed in where he just makes his videos. And that's, you know, that's kind of his world. It's pretty amazing, you know.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think he does. He still does some recording. Yeah. Yeah. For people. Um, That's cool. Um, so like, what would you say is some of your favorite sessions that you've worked on? Um, let me
1: think. I, you know, I've been done doing that show, uh, Cobra Kai on uh, Netflix.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: so I've done that since the beginning. That's, that's really just a lot of fun, obviously. Cause the music is really fun. It's fun to play that much guitar on something. And also the two composers are just hilarious and, and so great to work with. They're just like the greatest guys. I mean, it's like, they come over here for like, you know, all day. And then at the end of it, I'm like, wait, did we actually do any work? You know, it's just like, <laughs>
2: it's,
1: it just feels like we're like, uh, I don't know, it's almost like back in college or something, just kind of hanging out. It's, uh, it's really fun.
2: Yeah.
1: So that, that one's uh, been a, a highlight for sure. And it's nice. Like I said, it's nice to like play on something with that kind of guitar playing, you know, because that was mm-hmm. like a big part of what I grew up on. I sort of got into playing guitar at the tail end of the eighties, actually. So, like, I was already playing guitar when Nirvana hit. So, like, to me, I loved, uh, you know, like, Motley Crue and and stuff. And I loved Nirvana. And I didn't see, like, these two things aren't supposed to go together. I I just, like, you know, all of it. I mean, the guitar is loud on both of those (laughs) bands. What's not to like, you know?
3: Exactly. Exactly.
1: You got to try and have Mick Mars on, man.
3: I agree. I'm going to try to make that happen. You know him, yeah. Dave. I've met him before. Uh, it was a long time ago. He probably wouldn't even remember. Um, but I know people that know him, so I'm could... sure
1: Bob can get in touch with him.
3: Yeah. Th- yes, that's probably yeah. And I'm gonna see Bob here. Bob's gonna be in town next week. Hmm. So nice. I'm gonna see. I might bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, that that would that would be fun, and maybe a very interesting talk at this point.
1: I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. probably a lot of subjects if,
3: you'd have if he to comment on. if he can
0: actually say anything, yeah, you might have, <laughs> might have to plead the fifth for a bit yeah. of. <laughs> uh, Quentin James saying, "Mark and Dave, I don't think you two realize how much us guitar nerds love these live shows." Thank you. Oh man, thank thank you. you. Thanks for watching. Yeah, we appreciate it uh yeah tim is very active on his youtube channel ray basically yeah yeah i mean if you can make if you can make make it as a you know make a living on yeah. youtube why not you know
1: i mean he's kind of an artist now like he just does whatever he wants to do a video on and gets paid to do it like yeah you know, it's it's pretty amazing like yeah. i have to sit here and it's like well no play it this way play it that way you know it's a different different thing hmm
0: so, yeah
1: yeah yeah kudos to tim
0: absolutely um yeah he uh he's i mean obviously he play he's played on so much stuff you know he's he's a great guy so are you guys planning on doing any more baked potato gigs
1: well we've done a few since that first one and uh actually we played in november uh i started this uh little side project it, it's not my thing it's uh me and, and two friends, uh, it just kind of came together out of nowhere, really. We, uh, So me, uh, the bass player, Sean Hurley, and the drummer, Jake Reed, we tend to play on a lot of stuff together. And we're doing this record over two days, and there's this kind of email thread, like, out of these three days, which two days are we all available? This, these are the three days that the studio is available. Mm-hmm. So we landed on two days, and then somebody said, hey, you know, that means they're open that other day we should go in and do something so we did and we went in with like nothing planned and i just kind of wrote some riffs meaning the more we set up okay uh, let me say okay here's the first riff. you know here's the here's like the verse i mean there's no lyrics but it's basically thinking of it like a song form mm. and it's kind of like dad rock or riff rock or whatever you want to call it you know all instrumental we just would record all together and then i'd go back and maybe double The rhythm stuff and then maybe put uh like a melody on it almost like as if there was a vocalist so it's it's almost like grunge joe satriani or something uh it was you know just totally like totally ridiculous like we did it at east west you know like a real studio it makes no sense but we had the best time and so and we got four songs at the end of the day uh so we decided to do it one more time we got four more songs and we put out this record and we Put, we went to this auto band name generator thing you know speaking of like ai and all this stuff that's been in the news and we we got this band name spit out back to us that's called why dog why so <laughs> so we yeah we started a band why dog why and then <laughs> we, we had uh daryl thorpe mix it who's done like you know hu- like foo fighters like huge rock records and um and we put it out and we're like well if we put it out like we should do one show to you know just say that we did it and so tim played with us on that because it's so much guitar stuff and that was i think only back in november um it was amazing i i think i actually have it on video so it'll get you know out there eventually he said he was going to do a video about it actually i think he did but he was going to do then so if you look through his channel there's one where there's some even like he's going to build a pedal board for to get all the sounds and then there's some rehearsal footage Hmm. um but he said he was going to do one you know because i i sent him the video of the whole gig and he was going to do one you know about okay here's what happened afterwards um
0: what was your setup
1: uh for so for that i used a lot of like not like i guess you would call it like nerdy 90s gear like um I used, I have a Pierce solid state amp. Dave, do you remember those? Yep. Yeah. Like uh, the guy from King's X played through one. Uh, I think it's like that. Is it MOSFET like clipping stage or something? So it was
3: the Pierce or the lab series? Pierce. Okay. Lab series is what the King's X guy. Played okay. The Pierce. Yeah. Pierce bring been around for
1: it's us. It's a similar thing in the terms yeah. of the sound. So I use that, and I have uh, a really cool Rivera amp. It's the M100. It's actually theirs; like it's the one that um, the guy from Skid Row used. <laughs> and I've been—it's been on loan, so I hope he doesn't watch this and remember that I have it. Uh, but it's still—it says like Scotty Hill, and it has his knob settings, which you know, again, that's kind of my era, slave to the grind. So, uh. so I use that amp, and uh, like the stuff I would never be able to use. Um, that was kind of my my amp rig and then i just brought my own pedal board for that and then live uh, i think i played i have another amp that i use for playing live i have two sometimes i play in stereo um so that's what i used for live um so yeah it's really really fun stuff if you like guitar music the band is called why dog why
0: and did you um did you use the same setup when you played the other gig with with tim where it was just you two
1: Yes. I, I tend to use, I mean, it depends. Sometimes, um, like there's actually a house amp at the baked potato that sounds quite good. It's the Michael Landau version. I think it's his and he leaves it. Oh,
0: that Fendel Michael, yeah, Michael Landau. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I have a pair of Rivera heads that, and it's nice cause they're, they're pretty small. You know, they're like, I, I think you can actually rack mount them. So I think they're 19 inches and, but they're loud. They're um, it's two EL thirty fours, and they stay real clean and loud, which is sometimes I need that. Um, and I was playing in stereo for a while, so I'd use both of those into like either two one twelve cabs or um, like a two twelve and a one twelve or something like that. I've been playing mono lately though, just because. Oh, <laughs> so this, here's a super nerdy rabbit hole thing. I. Um, i did the wet dry wet thing at the potato because i mean it's the the sound there is amazing Mm -hmm. for me anyway i i think so there's just something about that room like you can play loud and it doesn't sound painful you know it sounds cool like uh and you know they take time to get it right so i figured out this way of okay so the rivera has a direct out like a good sounding direct out so i plug dry into the rivera with distortion pedals and stuff and then i come out and go into a strymon um volante and their blue sky pedal and that's only wet and i put just so just dry is coming out of the amp and that's mike and then just wet is coming out of the house sorry and there's also dry coming out of the house so but i didn't have like wet caps or anything but you really don't need it in a room that small And it sounded like it was incredible. It was like Atmos guitar because, you know, from where you're basically from where anyone is sitting, you can hear, oh, that speaker all the way over there. And then you can hear like the amp coming off the stage and then the other speaker all the way over there. Mm. It was amazing. Right. I was so psyched. I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to do this from now on. This is going to be my thing. And so the baked potato does this thing where if you can sit on the patio. And be outside you know it's a COVID era thing and watch a live stream so obviously they have cameras and they're recording everything to pipe it out there so i after the gig you get a video so i, I go home i'm all excited to see oh and we had greg bissonette on drum
0: i can imagine like this a, is, i know where this is going yeah yeah you know exactly <laughs> where this is
2: going <laughs>
1: So, Greg is like a hero of mine. You know, again, it's like I grew up listening to him oh, yeah, play on records. Amazing. I've gotten to play with him. He's just like, he's incredible. He's the nicest guy. He's an incredible musician. And, you know, naturally having him on the gig, it was one of the best gigs I've ever played. So I'm all excited. I, I you know, I put on the video, I hit play, and I hear one note, and it's like, <laughs> like, it's all delay. <laughs> So, um, so clearly, when they, when they were getting levels, just
2: got you know, spot. it was like,
1: yeah. Well, no, it was like, okay, let's put the dry at, like, minus six before clipping, and then we'll put the wet all the way up at the same level, you know. So, oops. So, the whole thing, it, the guitar just sounded like it was in the Grand Canyon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. unusable. Uh, which is just, yeah, but, you know, live and learn. So, now I've just been everything coming out of the amp because i know at least that way you know that that's the thing of like you you see all these people trying to like do like you know you see these comments like why is he playing you know he should be doing this and that it's like well yeah but there's what you want to have happen and then there's the real world you know
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah yeah i mean the idea of having wet dry wet is beautiful and i think when you're alone playing it, it's like, oh, yeah, this, this sounds incredible. Yeah, but the idea of doing it with a band, and
2: it's
1: it's it, hard to do yeah. when you're. It's just a one-off thing, and you're somewhere different every That's night. That's true. Like yeah. on a tour where you got time to dial it in, and there's somebody else making sure it's right. Sure, go for it. You know, great. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. So let's talk about your gear. So yeah, like what's some of your. Uh, guitars that you have on the uh what is that Your right you got the 335
1: yeah um yeah i mean let's see i got the 335 the one i play the most for studio work i mean i can show them but then it would be boring for the people that are only listening on a podcast so that's that's all right <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll show you a couple yeah um So, if I'm home and I'm, it's just kind of me working. Let's see, the camera is reversed. This is my buddy, Friend Askin from Askin Guitars in Los Angeles, it's made beautiful. this beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a hybrid thing. So, it's a Fender scale, but it's two humbuckers. And I have those Fishman Fluence pickups in there, uh, which sound really great. And, you know, there's like a million sounds. So, um, you can. You can split the coils. There's two different humbucking options, and then you can. He put a switch on the back where I can choose which coil is active when it's in split mode. So, like a lot of times, um, there's a couple shows I do where it, you just gotta crank out music. So I'll just play that one guitar for everything. It's a, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of guitar stuff. So there's like some riffy stuff, and then there's some spy stuff, and some funky stuff i'll just literally just use that one guitar for everything um because it's you, you know you just have to move fast so right. that, that thing is awesome and versatile this is the one let me grab it b.a ferguson guitars out of el paso texas this is the one i play now most on my gig and mm-hmm. it's just it looks like some funky toy guitar like a silvertone or something Or like
0: yeah, yeah. yeah electro or something yeah yeah,
1: yeah like you couldn't possibly like play like nerdy guitar music on it and that's kind of what i like about it like it weighs nothing and it has it's actually a little bit shorter scale than a gibson which is nice for me um and it's it's just really comfortable and it's very simple it's just two pickups volume and tone and uh, i had a phase switch put in it sounds super gnarly i use that sometimes and it's i don't know it's just it's probably the only guitar that i kind of ordered sight unseen and hoped for the best and when it came out of the box i was like this is the best playing guitar i've ever played and it just you know it just got off a fedex truck or whatever excellent and uh yeah it's been awesome and i it has a one-piece bridge which i really dig it's uh there's something about just like this immediacy of the one piece bridge right it really feels nice it's real vibrant like like really loud out of tune right now but that's okay and uh i don't know it's just really fun to play so fun is underrated when it comes to this stuff you know
2: the fun
0: factor yeah
1: well you gotta i mean you gotta
0: make it fun to kind of be inspired right
1: yeah so those are the kind of two ends of the spectrum there
0: that's cool um So, Dave, I wanted to ask you. uh, I was going through, I was doing some of the shorts, Mm -hmm. and so when uh, Andrew, when you mentioned Rivera, yeah, um, so you may have saw Dave. I did a short with uh, Luke. Uh, We were talking about the Floyd fine tuners.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right before that story, where we're talking about the Floyd fine tuners, he tells a story about his experience with with rivera okay
1: oh i gotta find that does he actually go into it because i thought there was like something where like nobody would speak about it
0: well he talks about it oh wow yeah and i thought to make a short of it <laughs> and i was like maybe, maybe i should mm-hmm. maybe not <laughs> Okay,
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey man any press is good press uh, I thought, I,
3: I, this is true. Uh, many many times that we've proven that on this show.
1: Yes. Wait, that's that's on the Luke episode yeah. when he was on this show. It's on part Hot.
0: two, part Luke, part two.
1: Oh, okay. I think I saw part one, but all right, I'm gonna find it now. I can't wait.
0: Yeah. If you guys want to go back and watch that, I, we won't discuss it. But yeah, I loved how part two ended. He just like, mm-hmm. okay, bye.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. All right, dinner's ready. Got to go. Bye. <laughs> Whatever it was. But the first one was was great when his his uh his ex-wife called. Oh boy. Right? And he's and he's like, "Oh god, it's my ex-wife."
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's like, "I'm going to I'm probably going to be killed for saying this live right now, but uh, he's like, "Which one?" <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I don't know which one. But that's <laughs> funny. Um. Oh, by the way, Dave, did you see that I got a new amp, Ampeg?
3: I saw. Yeah. You 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 couldn't resist.
0: I couldn't. I couldn't.
3: <laughs> what do you think of them? Not a fan. I modified a couple of those before for someone. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be. It can be really cool. It can. It's kind of okay stock, and it's. It what did you get? Better. The
0: Lee Jackson one?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: yeah, cool yeah so the vl 1002 yeah yeah it's cool yeah it's it definitely has a different flavor than than your stuff hmm you know he he has like a different voicing or different whatever however you yeah, want for it. sure so yeah i you know i was going through all these different amps at the guitar broker if like i mentioned last time guys if if anybody likes lee jackson stuff for modded lee jackson marshall amps uh, the guitar broker in Fort Lauderdale. He's got a bunch of them. Uh, Ampegs, Crate, Lee Jackson, Metaltronics, Modern Marshalls.
3: Someone had a crazy Lee Jackson fetish.
0: Yeah. yeah,
3: And and then he passed away, right? It was a th- yeah, story. And then, and then uh, his and then, wife. So he got
0: all these Lee Jacksons. Yeah, his wife had to unload all this stuff. And then he also had multiples of all these Trace Elliott heads. Which wow. was weird why i don't know okay um but like literally a row of trace elliott heads across like the whole store i couldn't believe he bought all of those (laughs) that might be a hard one to sell yeah i was like i don't know who's buying trace elliott heads um but the other thing that he had was a lee jackson one off it was a one of well i don't know if it was one of one but it was a serial number one of a uh like a Dumble, style
3: yeah Yeah. That was a, that was an amp that was recent, recent times in recent days. That was an amp he was doing with this other other guy. Yeah. yeah. And it's sort of, I know George Metropolis was going to be involved and somehow it all imploded. Hmm. So, so they only made one. know i don't know what they did i don't think they they didn't i don't think they went into production on
0: it Mm. it sounded great yeah cool it was a cool amp so but uh so what's next for you andrew
1: so so i started a well it's a it's a super group you might say i'd like to think of it as it's uh it's like an organ trio with um so the drummer is uh john jr robinson like Rolling Stone called him one of the greatest drummers of all time. He's like, you know, quote, unquote, one of the most recorded drummers in history. He played yeah, on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All these Michael Jackson songs, all this uh, Steve Winwood stuff. Hmm. Uh, he played on We Are The World. Um, hmm. Yeah. So what's so his he's name He's on drums. Uh, John Robinson. John J.R. Robinson. Huh. Yeah, if you
3: yeah, back back in the day when I moved out here when I was 18, we were, I was doing cartridge for Andy Brower Studio Reynolds and doing you know cartridge for Tim Pierce and Steve Lukather and all this stuff. Uh Jr was on many a many a session. Yeah back, back in those days.
1: I'm sure that yeah. was fun. <laughs>
3: It was it was you know yeah sure sure I went to I, yeah I went to work for that company in 1988 or something at 18 years old and and uh you know and you you that's well I mean that company gave me the start to my whole career so
1: yeah cool
3: you know yeah but
1: yeah so he's playing drums and it, you know it's an organ trio so then there's an organist that does left hand bass named Mitch town he's kind of he actually lives in uh Omaha so he's sort of like the organ king of the midwest and it's sort of a random story, the way it all came together. But uh, we did a record last year, about a year ago to the day, actually. And um, this Japanese label got involved; that they were interested. It's like it's pretty hilarious because it's like, when have you? Like this doesn't happen anymore. But they got interested, and so they put out the record only in Japan so far. But it's coming out in the states later this summer. And then um, we actually just did a tour of Japan. And so um, that was, like, two weeks ago. Uh, We're playing tomorrow night, uh, July 8th, at Catalina's here in L.A. And uh, so then a week later, we're going to do a little East Coast run, playing in Baltimore on the 16th. And then we're doing five nights at Birdland in New York City, starting on the 18th.
0: Nice. Yeah. Cool. Great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Like, I mean, and I never do anything like that. So to me, it's, it's just been, like, a vacation like it's it's really amazing i mean japan is incredible they take such good care of you so it's it's really fun to like you know wear like a different hat you know mm-hmm. so i mean obviously i do the baked potato thing but this is like kind of a, a different level so it's really been really a lot of fun
0: yeah i bet i bet and five nights yeah. where did you say you were playing again i forgot
1: uh birdland in new york birdland City. yeah that's a great yeah.
0: that's a great venue
1: yeah and so that's uh July eighteenth for anyone who's around starts on the eighteenth
0: very cool you'll have time you'll have fun in New York
1: I can't wait yeah I'm gonna try and maybe get some lessons with some some of those players like I'm sort of like going back into the the shed I guess in a way you know nerdy out again
0: you gotta go check out uh Rudy's oh yeah have you been there
1: i yes, but they moved right they used to be on yeah. the eighth yeah, and I was at the 48th down.
0: Street. Now he's in like Soho, I think or something like that. Yeah. But it's nice. It's it's a nice area cuz it's like you don't really expect like the guitar store to be there. It, it right. doesn't kind of fit the area, but it's like, oh wow, that's cool. Um, and
1: can you still go in and try stuff or is it more yeah. like only Wall Street people are even allowed in the store kind
0: of thing? No, you can go like, in like there. there. Yeah, I I mean, I was there pre-COVID. I don't know how it is now, but Yeah. Um Pre-COVID, I just walked in and tried out a lot of stuff. I mean, they had beautiful, and I'm a lefty, of course, so they didn't have a ton mm. of stuff. But uh, still, it was a beautiful selection, and great store.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out.
0: Yeah. Can't wait. And 48th Street's not what it used to be, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's too bad. It is. It is. When I was in London, I went to uh, Denmark Street.
3: That's not what it used to be either.
0: No that's what I hear yeah there was uh it was cool I'm...
3: looking some cool small really tiny shops yep and yeah. uh and and some a few of them had some neat things uh but yeah
0: yeah the the one that I thought was cool what was the name of it it was the one that where black Sabbath supposedly recorded at oh yeah I know mm-hmm. the one you're talking about a little tiny place yeah tiny tiny yeah but they were t- the guy was telling the story actually when we were when we were just walking in, he was telling like some couple who were playing, like looking at the guitars, um, the, the story of how Black Sabbath had recorded there. Um, but now I can't remember the name of the store or the, the, the place. I know the exact one you're talking about, though. Yeah. I'm pulling it up as as we speak here. Um, here it is. Uh, it's called Region Sound Studios. Mm. Right. Yeah really rickety place <laughs> like totally. as you're going up yeah as you're walking up the stairs you just like the stairs are like you know all off, off kilter yeah everything. but but it's a cool place um but yeah new york is beautiful i haven't been to new york and shit man it's been like five six years and i miss it so enjoy yourself and no, you're going to have a good time will. Whether well it's gonna good. be hot but yeah yeah whether it'll be hot but it you know you you it'll be cool to walk around the city i I always yeah. like walking around the city in the summer so
1: me too I'm gonna yeah. eat so
0: much pizza I can't wait yes exactly <laughs> some awesome pizza yeah that's great um so let me let me get to some questions here uh make sure we oh let's talk about amps what amps do you got yeah Yeah, so I've got, um, I actually have the uh, Bruce
1: Agnator's head switcher. So it's like four amps into one cabinet. Mm -hmm. And um, so I have a Rivera um, that's in, you know, channel one or whatever. And it's uh, the knucklehead. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's got, it's a channel switching amp. So the clean is real clean. And then the dirty is like real dirty. Uh, You know, it's good for like, uh, like I'll use it on Cobra Kai, it's good for like 7-string stuff. Um, and then, uh, channel 2 has been rotating lately. Uh, right now I have actually one of Randall Aiken's amps. I'm borrowing from my buddy Will Wu. shout out to Will Wu. He's got the world's largest collection of Aiken amps, I think. Um, and that one is the Invader, it's like a Plexi-style thing. Uh, sounds killer, really nice. Uh, and then the third amp is this company i don't think they're in business anymore um i think that it was like a one-man shop and it just got to be too much for him but it's called uh, texotica amplifiers and it's kind of like an old deluxe like a tweed deluxe it's like nine watts or something mm. so you can turn it up to like i mean you can get it to kind of do that neil young thing where it just compresses where you play the harder you play it almost like uh dies a little bit and compresses in on itself it closes in on itself Mm -hmm. yeah um and then i have uh, in going into that amp only uh that guy also makes a tube spring reverb unit that's just like i don't it's killer man it sounds so good so like when people want like oh give me that surf sound it's like it really like slaps you across the face with like hey spring reverb um so i'll use that you know from time to time but it does change the sound a little bit so like, I had it in front of all the amps, and then I realized, like, I don't need this in front of – I just need it in front of, like, one amp, so I'll just pair it with that amp. And then in uh, the fourth amp is the uh, Soldano Hot Rod 50, which is, like, the first real piece of gear I ever bought. And, man, that thing sounds so good. Like, it it just records incredibly well. And it's, you know, it's their, quote-unquote, cheaper amplifier, you know. Yeah, mean they the day, were cool. Anyway. Yeah, it sounds so good, man. I just love that thing. Uh, and I actually use it on the cleaner of the channels most of the time for just kind of like in-between sound.
3: Great. Yeah. And then that goes into what? The amp switcher.
1: Uh, that goes into a Rivera uh, Silent Sister ISO Cab, which is down in the garage. And it's got two mics on it. And the, the mics you know come up through the wall, go into an API mic preamp, and then I have some outboard gear um before it goes into pro tools mm-hmm. so i can i'm printing effects yeah cool. on the way in yeah i'm committing i also i do have a split so it goes to a di because a lot of times it's funny man when i first was getting into like doing this and sending stuff everybody like just give me the clean di give me the clean di um so i so since then i have you know i figured out a way to do that so i'm always when i'm recording electric guitar i'm always recording uh two tracks the amp sound that i'm printing that i'm hearing and then a clean di that's you know you're not even hearing it's turned right. off but just in case and i mean it's been years since anyone has ever even asked for that or i mean maybe they're using it and i don't know it but i'm pretty sure i could probably get away with not doing that but it's it's a good kind of you know cover your ass thing where if you do need to change the sound, you can. I have a reamper so I could reamp it or, um, you know, use a plugin or something if I had to. But you know that rarely happens. I'm a big fan of just printing the sound and moving on. Yeah, Make committing, moving. Yes. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because otherwise, yeah. in the end, you get the end, the end result and you, you have all these options and it's just like ugh.
1: yeah. It's so dumb. And everything you do is based on what you just did. So it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I do, but the other thing is I see, I try and like straddle both worlds where it's like the guitar player in me and then the realist, working musician in me. So like, I do understand that people might, you know, get this thing and play it back for a director and he goes, well, I don't like that sound. Can you change it? So that way at least there's some, you know, I don't have to go back and re record it. You know, they yeah. already have it, they can
0: do whatever they want with it. Yeah. Right. Sure. Right. That makes sense. Makes sense. They can re amp it into whatever amp or whatever sound they want. Yeah. Yeah. Now are you um are you using a cab all the time or do you use say like any IRs or, you know, like uh
1: a... No, I'm using a cab all the time. Okay. And it's fun because you can hear you know, it's this is all like double walled floating floor drop ceiling like room within a room but you can still when you play low like low on the guitar low register you know you still hear a little bit of that like woofiness. um and so that that's fun and people come over and and i show them like look i'm using a real amp and they like that you know it's it's fun they they feel like they're involved in the
0: experience Mm -hmm. yeah cool that makes sense how how much of your business are you are you doing um doing recording at home versus going to an actual studio
1: about 50 50. I was running around all week this week. So it just depends. It seems like long stretches of one thing and then all of a sudden long stretches of the other thing. So I I don't know why that is, but, um, yeah, about 50 50.
0: Okay. Uh, stay curious as a question for you. Did you write the slither track? I love that tune.
1: No, no, I didn't write that. And I want to be clear. Like, you know, I played on Cobra Kai, but the way so the, the way that like film music works is it's it's a very like tiered system. It's like everybody has one job that they do, you know, for the most part. So there's two composers that write the music. They will temp it up in the in the box and using you know soft synths and come up with like an idea. They'll play that back to the director. They'll say yes, I like it. No, I don't like it. Change this, change that. They come to a consensus. Okay, cool. Let's go with that. Then they come here and we replace most of the guitars, um, you know, using real amps and, and stuff. And we experiment with sounds and get everything sounding good. And then I actually build the Pro Tools sessions and I send them directly to the drummer. Who then he'll do the same thing. Replaces all the the temped up drums that we're just using, you know, loops and things with real drums so so there's composers and then musicians so i'm a musician i'm you know performed on that show
0: yeah got it got it well it's still very cool oh yeah
1: totally yeah
0: and how how busy are you like with you know with a show like that like how long does it last and
1: so it's off right now but when it comes back it'll be like every three weeks we'll do like a day of recording let's say and then maybe an emergency. Hey, sorry. Can you grab this other cue kind of thing in between?
0: And is the writing strike uh, L Scott music asked, is the writing strike impacting work?
1: Uh, it, knock on wood, it hasn't yet. Although, you know, most of what we do is at the very end of the life cycle of a film. So, you know, there's they, for, the writing is kind of the first thing that happens and then it gets shot and edited. And then it goes to, you know, the music is kind of the last thing that goes on it. So, there's been a lot, you know, there's stuff in the pipeline forever to still work on. Right. Um, so, it, it yeah. It'll be interesting to see, like, maybe in the fall, you know, I might start to notice. But fall starts to get busier anyway. So, I don't know. And it, it, here's a funny thing. Like, when COVID happened, everybody went, oh, my God, what are we going to do? You know, but all these people who have been real busy doing whatever they do finally had time to finish that record they always wanted to make or whatever so all this other stuff happened as a result of that um and actually here's a perfect example so i don't know it must have been eight years ago i uh, i did this thing for geico you know the car in- i guess car insurance right uh where it's a commercial you know they have this like hilarious commercials where they the whole idea was like there's there's a mom and dad and a kid in the back of the car and he's they're on uh their way to a classical guitar recital and the they get a flat tire and the kid's like oh man what should i what do we do now so he just takes out his guitar and he starts playing and the gag is like wow the kid's really good so and they needed somebody to like um you know basically so f- like for that i actually did compose it because they the whole script was like then the kid plays something well the something is whatever i play right so it was me it was great because <laughs> it's so funny man the way when when people collaborate back and forth like composer sending a director something and they listen to it on their own time and then give notes i see there's so much frustration with trying to make people happy but like in this instance the director's right here and he's like hey i don't know i'm hearing something kind of uppity vibrant like you know, you know he's just like throwing out flowery words or whatever I'm, it's great because face to face you know i'm like oh you mean like this yeah that's great i love it you know and you could kind of sell it more right so so i did this thing and then like some you know just like little classical flamenco-y sounding run and they filmed it and i guess they used they use the camera audio, which is kind of surprising. And also like, you know, due to like whatever regulations, I had to use their like prop guitar. This is like kind of hilarious, you know, that that's what I ended up using. But uh, so then this commercial comes out and it's like, you know, it's 15 seconds long. And the whole, again, it's like the wife yells at the husband and then the kid just, and then they cut real quick to the kid. He's just like, ah, forget it. I'll just practice that's the whole thing. But I, you know, it was great. Cause I got paid as a composer. I got paid, uh, like, as like a hand model and then I got paid as a musician, <laughs> you know, playing the session. Okay. Wow. So it aired and it's on YouTube. I mean, it was at the time anyway. And it was funny cause like people in the comments are like, Hey, who is this kid? He's, you know, people are <laughs> pretty hilarious. Uh, but, and it, it aired and it was great and it had a little life cycle. Well, like, two months ago, I get an email from the ad agency and they're like, Hey, we want to use, we're thinking of rerunning this commercial. And it's been, I don't know, whatever the deal was like more than five years. So like I got paid again, it was a beautiful thing. And I, I think that was because of the writer strike.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, they're using right. the commercial again. Right, yeah. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's one of those things. I and mean, people are so quick to like, ah, oh, see the music business. that's all the entertainment business like yeah we're still here you know
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah sure still making money people still have a living but it's hard
1: yeah it's not what it used to be for sure but um you know it's was it was it ever like easy i mean maybe back in the day but i didn't get into this because it was easy you know
2: yeah
0: for sure Uh, Andrew, would you rather go into the studio or work from home?
1: Studio for sure, because it's nice to work with human beings and you get that instant feedback. Um, That's one of the things that's hard when you're working from home. It's because it's like, you know, big rock guitar. Well, what does that mean? ACDC or Mashuga, or you know, right, right, or you know, whatever, like yeah exactly that that part makes it hard and especially like with guitar when you're doing a lot of layers everything you do is based on what you just did so i mean now knock on wood that was more of an issue when i first got started and i didn't have as much of like a history with the people i was working with um now it's not as much of an issue but it's still you're never gonna get the same thing that you would when there's two people going like yeah that was cool because half the time the thing that i go oh shoot that sucked i didn't mean to do that the other person goes no actually that's that was really cool let's explore that you know and you come up with something totally different so plus it's just nice to like to work and and not have to do um 10 things i only have to play guitar like here i have to do all of it i have to download the files i have to set up the pro tool session Mm -hmm. i have to engineer from a sonic standpoint i have to run pro tools i have to play i have to put on my producer hat and say okay was that good or should we do another one then i have to send everything back and you know make sure they got it follow up when i'm at a studio i show up you know play all i do is play it's it's like the greatest thing ever and then you know they're there i know that they are happy that and that's kind of the whole point
0: you know right right that makes sense, uh, Taylor three fifteen. Thank you. Tremendous show tonight, Mark and Dave. Thank you very much. Great guest as well. Thank you.
2: Thank all you. Right. Cool.
0: Um, do you have rack gear? Did I spy it back there? Or- yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm I'm a child of the '90s, man. Racks all the way, baby. So here I have, um, like I said, so it goes goes to the guitar cabinet, it's mic'd up, goes to the mic preamp, and then out of that it hits. I have a, uh, a It's basically like, you know, a pedal loop switcher. It's a pedal loop switcher except for rack gear. So everything is wired in, but you just press a button and it turns it on and off so that you're not like running through everything unless you're actually Mm -hmm. using it. Uh, I have like a compressor and an EQ. Um, For effects, I use the super um, cheap, everyone hates it, TC Electronics G major too, Mm -hmm. but it's really quick to get around on. The delays sound good. Uh, The modulation sounds good sounds good and yeah nothing wrong with it um yeah and then i hit um an even tight h 3000 at the end mostly just for reverbs
0: well, That's a good, good piece of gear.
1: yeah it's so good. amazing yeah um yeah and then so so that's like for here and then like today um if there's budget for it and you go into a studio i i also have like a cartridge rig which lives totally off-site it stays in a storage uh, locker. And I have a whole other set of guitars and a, a big rack there uh, as well. So I have an amp, another Aiken actually, which is a, a different model. It's a channel switching. So like real clean on one side and real dirty on the other side. And then like uh, a bunch of overdrive pedals in a drawer um, that go in front of the amp. Then the amp goes to a, a load and goes into another G major and comes out stereo into a power amp into two caps, which um, is, uh, you know, that's kind of what people are actually still used to seeing on, like, movies and stuff. You show up, and they've always got, like, two SM57s or two U47s or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there was a time when um, when I was trying to do the, like, Okay, so I'm gonna. I got my own mic preamp, and I'm gonna mic my amp and send it to the preamp, and then I'm gonna send you back. You know, then I'm gonna send that to effects. Basically, do what I do here, where you. Uh, it's kind of. I think it's like the Michael Thompson thing or the Mike Landau thing. I'm not yeah, sure who Michael started Landau doing do it that. first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you basically hand the engineer two XLR cables. But um, what I found, you know, I was still. am coming in kind of as the new guy, but really back in the day, like you come in and, and tell that to, like, you know, Tommy Vacari, and he'd be, like, he just scratch his head, like, what? You know, like, what are you talking about? I got two U47s, there, you know, or whatever. I got two U87s, you know. What are you trying to do? And it was just like, okay, you know what? I, I can't make waves. I need to just be easy, you know. Yeah, go with the yeah. flow.
3: Make it simple. Yep.
1: So I very quickly did it the other way out in stereo to two cabs and the cabs are mismatched on purpose one is um they're two 112 cabs because you know if there's an 80 piece orchestra there's just not a lot of room and a huge percussion section you know you can't be like well hold on i got two 412s you know it's got to mm-hmm. it's got to be somewhat condensed even though it's still like a refrigerator and then a whole rack of guitars so uh one cab is a bogner uh cube with a b30 celestial vintage 30 which you know love them or hate them that's the sound and then the other cabinet is an open back it's a little bit bigger like oversized 112 open back with the g12 h30 so it's like mm-hmm. a much warmer sound yeah. and uh we still good the sound got
0: yeah yeah, there. yeah okay. the sound got weird for a second yep
1: uh but so yeah so then and sometimes the engineers go like well wait they're miss. what am i doing am i taking both am i taking one and i just tell them like do whatever you want like you can sum them into mono and it sounds cool because they kind of complement each other you can pan them left and right um so and i even had now if <laughs> this one engineer i work with all the time he would always go hey sorry remind me again which one sounds like what and then, so i've re- actually written it on there like in you know what, it, what they call that tape where it's like never going to come off and it's just like with a big sharpie like left bright scooped modern right warm fat open back you know (laughs) yeah and they can do what they want right and a lot of times like a lot of times like um i do this show called american dad and they're actually printing the mixes as we do it so like we do a take that's the take when they decide that was the take it's done and they printed it and it's out of it so like on a show like that they only take one side and it's fine. You know, I just turn off the power amp has you know separate volume control, so I just turn off one side. Totally fine.
3: Yeah. Well, cool. Uh
0: yeah. Eric Johnson says, I'm very happy with my 112 V30 B cube. Yeah.
2: Cool. Cool.
0: That's
1: cool. well, we all know Eric Johnson gets a good tone. So yeah,
0: I think so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Eric, for uh, for hanging in the chat with us. Um, yeah. I saw Michael Nielsen in the chat earlier. Um, oh, was he? I didn't yep. see that. Yeah, he was somewhere in the chat there. Um, he said, "Hey, uh, let's see." What's up, Michael? I think I've gotten to all the questions here. Uh, let's see. What strings do you prefer? Of course, I would say on electric guitar.
1: Yeah, I've been an Elixir guy for a long time, so I'm a big fan of their strings. Cool. Yeah.
0: Right. Um. Let's see. Hey there. Um, can't stop watching a video of a gig Andrew Sinewick with Osnoy, Hadrian Farad, and Marvin Smitty Smith. Everyone, go please check it out.
1: Oh, you're the
2: one. No, it's <laughs> good. <Cool.
1: laughs> Great, thanks. Yeah, that was fun. I actually have more footage of that, so there will be more to come. And that band did a record, um, so it will hopefully come out next year. Um, I have like a solo record that's going to come out in September, I think, uh, which I did with a different band. It's kind of more like Jeff Beck meets Larry Carlton at an Allman Brothers concert. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, it's pretty great. I did it with uh, this great engineer, producer Jim Scott who used to be with uh, Rick Rubin, and he's done uh, tons of, he's got a crazy studio up in Santa Clarita. So we did yeah. it there all live. Have you been up there, Dave?
3: I haven't been up there, but I know of this studio, and I know of Jim yeah. Scott's work, of course. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So that's amazing. So that's kind of like, I don't want to call it lo-fi, but it's sort of like, uh, yeah, it's a, just a little bit of a throwback, kind of vintage vinyl kind of vibe to that record. There's also some like Eric johnson kind of sounding stuff um it's more of like a that kind of record and then so that band that they just mentioned is um uh with oz and marvin smitty smith and hadrian farad we did a record uh last year that's more fusion-y guitar nerd east coast meets west coast kind of thing and um, it's all recorded it just needs to be mixed and so hopefully next year and we might even do some uh touring hopefully yeah
0: Awesome. awesome. Uh, Eric Johnson wants to know, what are your thoughts on stainless steel frets?
1: I have not had the best luck with them, but that's just me. I have I agree one guitar. Yeah, <laughs> I have one guitar that has them and everybody says there's no difference in sound, but that I, I can only speak for that guitar. There's definitely a difference. Um, and it's just different. It's not better or worse, but uh, I I prefer the, the kind of normal thing
0: and are you using uh for your elixirs polyweb or optiweb?
1: Uh both actually. Mm-hmm. Usually poly. I'm looking at them. Yeah. No, sorry. Nanoweb nano. is like the normal yeah. thing. Yeah. That's that's the one they always had. And then they came out with Opti. And I'm I'm actually using the Optiwebs on that ba Ferguson guitar. They're a little bit brighter. Uh, but they're kind of I mean I could use either one and be happy.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on, Andrew. It's really nice to meet you. Yeah, man.
1: Thanks for having me. It's an yeah. honor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome to hear about your career and the work that you're doing and see your collection of stuff. And uh, hopefully we'll stay in touch.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Yeah, stop by sometime.
1: <laughs> hey, I would love that. Dave, will you, you want to build me a rack?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> would love to. How,
1: how long would it take, you think?
3: Well, it just depends on when you when you hit me up for it exactly yeah. and what's going on at the time. I mean, I got a couple projects going right now, but
1: yeah, I'm still piecing it together. I ordered uh, a new preamp from Bruce Egner, but I guess it's oh yeah, there's been some shortages or something, some delays. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, the you got you're getting the IE4.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I had I, a lot I of history was,
0: with that. I was originally involved in the very first
3: IE4 back yeah. in the '90s. Yeah absolutely
0: i've got one one. yeah it's great great preamp yeah it's great preamp very versatile i mean it can go from yeah sure that sounds like fun let's do it yeah awesome hit me up i will awesome Uh, by the way which reminds me uh, guys check out sweetwater.com and check out our affiliate link below um it gives a you know a little kickback to the show give a commission if you buy something from sweetwater so please check that link out and check out sweetwater.com uh, uh, for all your gear needs and fixpedalboards.com uh, check out Tim and his pedal pedal board upgrades. If you
3: need some sliding shelves for your uh, your rack pe- your pedals in your rack, Tim that's the place to go.
0: Right
2: on. Because they
3: don't make the ones that used to be used all the time now and so I I essentially did a rack shelf and Tim is the one that sells it.
0: awesome cool yeah well very cool and dave who is the uh i'm sorry the the guest that you sent me earlier today um from five finger death punch jason hook oh jason hook yeah yeah Nice.
2: i have
3: his rack behind me that i have to put together (laughs) (laughs) cool yeah so yeah we we just got to talking so i just sent you that stuff so no He's a gear nerd.
0: Perfect. We'll get him set up and get him on the show.
3: Like big rock guitar.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So, yeah. All right. Well, Andrew, hang on while we say goodbye. Everybody uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the, I guess I was going to say the sun and fun, but depends where you live. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, it's always sunny here yeah exactly
2: <laughs> well actually a
3: lot of this year hasn't been sunny <laughs> but it is you guys, now you guys got a lot of rain well we got a lot of rain but then it was also really gloomy all through may in the beginning most of most of june just yeah. started unglooming by the end of june here so
0: yeah and it's brutally hot here really hot so- yeah yeah not so bad here yet oh well that's good all right well everybody have a great time great weekend and we'll see you in a couple weeks all right see you guys later bye Bye. take care